Bienvenidos. <laughs> what up, y'all? Welcome to Queer Walk the Podcast. You want to stop laughing so I can do my intro? Yes, ma'am. What up, y'all? This is Queer Walk the Podcast. The podcast that unites, ignites, and excites the queer women of color community. I am Money, the... I thought you said you were going to be dissertation dyke for a while. Okay. You going to float on that. All right. I'm still the dissertating dyke. And for me, I am Nikita. And because I stole this adorable, cute, camouflage vest from money, I am a dyke in disguise. Y'all just got to know that Nikita routinely steals articles of clothing from her friends. Her whole closet, actually. I honestly, I honestly feel like I'm doing all of us a favor because it's like... <laughs> I'm getting things off your hands, and I'm also presenting myself as a gift to the community because I look so fucking good in the things that I see. If she ever compliments your article of clothing, just know that you ain't going to see it no more. Yeah, you're not. But, I mean, really, don't I look so cute? It looks good on you. Thank you. That's that's still not the point, anyway. Bad bitch reporting for duty. (laughs) Drop the motherfucking intro. Love your chocolate demeanor and your cocoa kisses. I see your flow from a distance. Your vibe incite my submission. I give you all of me. Wanna make you proud of me. We see the God in all you do. Your light is harmony. Every type, darkest night, brightest light. I'm loving your soul. They hate you, replace you, taint you, but know that you go. Worldwide from every continent. I just want you to jig a little bit. Move them hips, feel that bliss. Hug your sis, make a fist. Don't resist your temptation. You're amazing, no limitation. My favorite in this matrix. We move by your vibration, and that's love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby, you love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby, you love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby, you love. You love. All right, Nikita, you want to tell the listeners where they can find us? Yes, you can find us on Twitter, where our handle is at QueerWalkPod, the same handle on Instagram. You can also find us on Facebook at QueerWalk, colon, the podcast, and you can find us on Tumblr at QueerWalk.com. Also, you can find us live, live, on October 20th. So, we will be part of Queering Media, the Queer and Trans Folks of Color Symposium here at Syracuse University. Um, this event is co-sponsored by Black Q's Pride, the QPOC um, Pride group here in Syracuse, and Color Collective, the Queer of Color student group on, on campus. campus. So, shout out to both of those groups for like hosting this day of Queer and Trans Folk of right. Color Excellence. And just the a wonderful, amazing work that they do um, throughout the you know throughout the rest of the year and yeah. in the rest of the community. Definitely. So you can catch our live show of Queer Walk the podcast right after a self love workshop by Sir Knight from Black Trans TV. What up? And our homie Diamond Styles of Marsha's Plate. Wait. They just celebrated their one year anniversary. I know that was such a good on um, on their podcast. Yeah. So shout out and congrats to them. Looking forward to seeing Diamond. Looking forward to seeing uh, Sir Knight, and yeah. looking forward to seeing you too, oh my Money. Gosh. Shut up. 
All right, so if you are in the greater upstate area, please come kick it with your girls at the QT Pac Media Symposium on October 20th. Or maybe yeah. you're just, if you're anywhere on the uh, the Eastern, Eastern Seaboard. Seaboard. <laughs> <laughs> we feel like the only podcasters in upstate New York. Right. So we've been trying. <laughs> we're going to we're gonna be on this uh, trip for a minute. But we, ha- we cannot be the only here. queer or black or feminist. I'm not just saying all of them. There, are, there have to be other podcasters in upstate New York. Rochester? Come on, Rochester. Binghamton, where you at? Come on, Buffalo. You know, Buffalo. Tough buff. Oneonta? <laughs> Oswego. I, I know Albany got something Albany. on it. Albany. Right. Maybe. There's somewhere. Watertown? Girl, you know ain't nobody podcast. Ain't not Watertown. <laughs> but anyway... All right. <laughs> yes, please come see us on the 20th. I was supposed to shout out my corn lady because she bought a thing. Oh, my God. You in this farmer's market. <laughs> anyway, again, to get us back on task, please come see us on the 20th. It's going to be a good It's going to be, be a real good time. Yeah. And we got some great surprises in store for y'all Surprise. there, too. Money, don't you need to ask the listeners? Ask me where the listeners can listen to our show. Are you awake? Did oh. you come here to work? You ask me that every episode. Because they don't feel like you'd be on. It don't feel like you'd be ready. Nikita, where can they listen to this here program? And I'm going to totally disregard that nasty tone. I and I'm going to tell you. Didn't use a you you totally treated you totally black mommy. Okay, where, where? Where can they listen to? Where? Where can they listen, Nikita? I still don't like your tone. They can listen to us on Stitcher, on SoundCloud on Apple Podcasts, and on Google Play. Subscribe! Yes. And then we regularly will come into your podcast rotation. Yeah, you get that notification. All right, so if you would like to contribute to this here program, since obviously my co-host doesn't want to, you can contribute in one of two ways to Queer Walk the Podcast. Okay, right. The first way is communal. Use the hashtag QueerWOC. QueerWOC. Get our platform more visible for people you know you know somebody out there who's looking for community who wants to hear a black woman talk about communism Mm -hmm. who who wants to hear a black therapist talk about mental health shit Mm -hmm. share the podcast use the hashtag send a link out you know link a friend all those things leave a comment leave a review hit the heart hit the thumbs up hit the star Whatever you do on the that platform, was, I, I you felt listen. that I was like I would hit all of them. That was nice. You redeemed yourself. The second way you can contribute is monetarily. We have two options for you to do that. First, you can drop a little coin off in the collection plate at the, the PayPal, which is paypal.me/queerwoc, or you can head on over to the Patreon. Where you can become a sustainer of this here program, which just means that you contribute monthly. And we have some suggestions there, but you can donate as much or as little as you can afford. And that is patreon.com slash queerwoc. All right. Back to you, Nikita. That was good. (laughs) And I'm back with Studs Mick Twerkle. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta stop saying I think, I, I think that that is officially my alter ego. You should get the name patch for your uh, camo Oh, vest. my God, right. Sergeant Studs McTwerkle. 
Here, reporting for <laughs> queer duty. That's what Turkle sound like. They can shake that ass. Here, queer, and continuing to recruit without fear. <laughs> you actually are. Yeah, I think, I think I've done my part. <laughs> All right, money. So, ready to move it on along to the queer walk, queer walk, queer walk of, of the, the week. week. Oh, shit, we had that. Yeah, we did. That was good. All right, y'all. So this week's Queer Rock of the Week, I feel like this is long overdue, but you know, anytime is a good time, is Fatima Ashgar. And so as I start to talk about Fatima, y'all gonna be like, oh yeah, because that's who that like, is. I feel yeah. like their work is like ubiquitous in queer women of color communities. Add that to the Queer Rock Dictionary, ubiquitous. Shut the fuck up. You shut up. <laughs> working on more disrespectful ways to tell Nikita to shut up so and I just okay I'm gonna bracket this and because I edited the last episode I listened to her say this statement multiple times Nikita I respect you do you all remember that I do respect you finding out and and creating new ways to tell your co-host how to shut up is not a sign of this, respect. No, for I'm not creating new ways to tell my co-host how to shut up. I'm creating new ways to tell my best friend how to shut up. Oh, <laughs> I see. Yeah. <laughs> All right, y'all. So Fatima is Queer Walk of the Week for so many reasons. I'll just read some like highlights from her baddie bomb ass life. So Fatima is a Pakistani Kashmiri American poet and screenwriter. Um, she's the co-creator and writer for the Emmy-nominated web series Brown Girls. I know there was a whole. There, I just heard the collective ah <laughs> <laughs> from all the brown baddies who listen to Queer Walk because Brown Girls is just one of those series. It was so good. I loved it. So good. So good. And I'm just. Oh, I don't know if they have to crowdfund or what to do another, another season, season, but sure. that show is just so good. Mm-hmm. So good. It just, I don't, it's, I just, yeah, We should put a link. Oh, I'll put a link. Oh, that's notes. right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so if, for those of you who, who've never heard of Brown Girls, Brown Girls is a web series that follows the friendship between, um, I can't remember their name. I the, don't remember their name. Yeah, either. but it's one black girl who's, like, straight and, like, trying to figure her life out, and her roommate slash bestie, mm-hmm. um, who is a Pakistani lesbian. Mm-hmm. And it's, they're just so fun. It's, I don't yeah, know. It's, it's amazing. Super cute. It's a really cute show. And the um, episodes are really cute, uh, really short, so you can binge it, mm-hmm. which I plan to do as I braid my hair. I've already watched it twice, but hmm, third time's a charm. <laughs> um, her work, so Fatima's work has also appeared in Poetry Magazine, Gulf Coast, BuzzFeed Reader, The Margins, The All Things Academy of American Poets, and other publications. Most recently, she has a new book called If They Come For Us. And so I wanted to tell you a little bit about this book because this is the reason why I made her Queer Rock of the Week this week, among other reasons. But this book just recently came out, and I think we should all get it because support Queer Rock mm-hmm. authors and artists. First of all, the cover art for this is just so breathtaking. It's like three different types of brown women Mm -hmm. on the cover, and they're all like linking arms, and it's just beautiful. So the book is called If They Come For Us, and it is um, about... 
Fatima's experiences as a Pakistani Muslim queer woman in America today. And about and, and so it's a mix of like creative nonfiction and poetry Ooh. about her coming of age and identity yeah. as a Pakistani Muslim lesbian sure. who's also who was also orphaned really young. Mm. So um yeah, it's really good. I can't wait to read the whole thing. Um, she's like, you know, touring, doing all these like poetry circuits, promoting the book, and I just wanted to give her a shout out here. This sounds great. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that um, she had this book coming out. Um, I didn't know that she did this whole host of other things. So thank you so much for bringing this to the queer walk uh, community for mm-hmm. us to, um, you know, for us to know about and for us to go support her. Yeah, no problem. I just thought with, like, everything going on today, this little excerpt, like, just feels really timely. About, um, so the excerpt is, an aunt teaches me how to tell an edible flower from a poisonous one, just in case, I hear her say, just in case. Oof. Yeah, and it just feels like a metaphor for, Yeah. I was, so I'm TAing for Women and Gender Studies, and in my class we were talking about the social construction um, of gender, and so... All, my class is full of, like, women, and so they were all talking about basically getting these messages that they're not safe around, like, men, but mm-hmm. also getting a message that they're supposed to partner with men. So it's like, they're dangerous, but you're still supposed right. to, like, partner. And that, I mean, with everything going on right now right. in the world, like, I'm just like, oh, wow, this book is going to be a really good read. And last but not least on Fatima's, like, long list of accomplishments outside of her writing, outside of being a baddie, all that stuff. She's also best friends with Jamila Woods. Oh, And so... Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. Brown Girls is actually... um, She wrote it after their friendship, like, based on their friendship. Okay. So... I thought you meant, like, after their friendship, like, in in the sense that it ended. No, no, no. It's it's based based on on their friendship. Oh, okay. I was going to be like, ooh, awkward. Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, check out the book, If They Come For Us. Um, It's on sale right now through um, Penguin Books. Um, I'm sure you can find it on the website that shall not be named either, um, too. So, yeah, it's available audio formats and e-books. This is so exciting. Thank you. Shout out to Fatima. Shout out to Fatima. All right, Nikita. So, can you... Usher us into the community contributors. What is with you and the you, Usher? Ubiquitous. I love it. (laughs) You know I'm an alliterative-ass bitch. (laughs) You really are. (laughs) All right. So, moving on along to community contributors. We've got two community contributors this uh, this week. Two. Two, yes. Two. Kind of quiet in these queer walk It corners. is quiet in these streets, y'all. So, we, you know, our inbox is normally overflowing and flooding uh, with messages and questions. So, don't feel, don't be afraid. Don't be shy now. Come on and <laughs> come on back in these uh, DMs, back in these uh, inboxes. We miss y'all. Yeah, we really do. All right. So, we have a review from, what is this, Jeff Colton? And Jeff Colton says... So I started listening to this podcast about three weeks ago, and I have been binging, binging ever since! Exclamation <laughs> point! When I tell you it quickly became my favorite podcast, I am not lying. Hashtag facts. So I just <laughs> added that in there. <laughs> the chemistry they have as best friends is so enjoyable to listen to. I love to hear Nikita's perspective on things, 
and money's mental moments have legit made huge impacts on my life. Oh, wow. Thanks. You ladies are doing an amazing job, and I appreciate you for taking time out of your day to make this safe space for us. That's that's a really good review. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Wow. Yeah. Oh. It just feels so good. Yeah. I, to be transparent, like, before we started recording, we were just, like, going through... You know, numbers and like thinking about growth edges for us as a podcast, how we want. I feel like both of us are in this space of like just like the podcast is our passion and it's yeah. what we want to be doing. Yeah. And it just feels good to get reviews like that. To yeah. be like, yeah, yeah, bitches, y'all right. doing a good job. <laughs> like, we and, see you. And y'all doing a good job. And even, like, these small things that not just Jeff but others have, like, mentioned. It's like, we like I love when people say they appreciate the time that mm-hmm. we put into this. Because it's so hard it's, to do this yeah. with full-time jobs, yeah. other commitments, ob- other obligations. And, um, again, another invitation to become sustainers and donors of the program. We could dedicate more time yeah. giving you more content, giving you more merch, if we actually had the time um, to do more with right. our podcast. Right. If I could quit one of my jobs. One. <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway, thank you so much, Jeff. Yeah. That was a very sweet uh, message. Mm-hmm. We really appreciate that. And uh, Speaking of sweet messages... What? Oh, what were you about to say? Just it just I just love when people say every time I talk to somebody about the mental moment, they always say that it it just gives them concrete tools that they routinely use wow. in their life. And I just like you're just doing really good work, bitch. That's what I that, I just needed to say that. That just yeah, I mean that just makes me feel really good yeah. because I tell y'all, being a therapist is a struggle. <laughs> a, a black lesbian a feminist yeah. one, sure, yeah. yeah, right, right, exactly. What were you going to say? I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, I was going to say, speaking of um, sweet messages, we got a really sweet message from Yantra. So we have more glowing reviews and words from Yantra, and Yantra says, um, "I'm a 46 year old queer white woman who has been raised." who has been out since the late 80s and raised a queer family in the 90s and early 2000s. I love listening and appreciate the work you put into this adventure. It really is an adventure. Mm -hmm. I I appreciate that. I come away mulling over the topics each time. I especially appreciate the example of your friendship and community. Money. I'm a teacher, middle school, in a therapeutic school for students with significant behavior, emotional, social, and mental health needs. I keep a journal of your mental moments, and share strategies with students when appropriate. Mm -hmm. I also work through the strategies myself and appreciate that these moments have become part of my toolkit. See, bitch, I'm part of a toolkit. (laughs) What you know about that, bitch? (laughs) Nikita. I'm a learner slash reader at my core. It's one. It's the it's the one role in life that I so easily slip into. I have the joy of getting to follow up on or recognize some of the scholarship and considerations you bring to the forefront. I'm developing a middle school social studies unit for the spring where students will look at different ways localities, communities, and countries have addressed reparations. Students will develop a plan for reparations to address the history of enslavement of black and brown peoples and these continued impact and the continued impact of racism on these communities in the present. 
Your discussions on reparations definitely helped me revise an idea and imagine it into a planned unit. Thank you. We are units and toolkits. Bitch, you out here impacting pedagogical practices Pedagogical practices. Okay. Wow. <laughs> and she ends by saying this. I recognize, again, that it takes a lot of energy and time to put this together and wanted to express my thanks. Thank you so much, Yantra. So, yes, thank you so much. That is so sweet and so affirming. Wow. I can't, like, it's a little surreal to think. I mean, even though, like, <laughs> I'm TAing. Like, it's, I'm it's teaching, still. but still, like, right. wow, Nikita. Like, you getting the baby. Sixth right. grade? Like, think I didn't even learn about reparations right. in middle school, social right. studies. Right. So, um, I guess I should just say, communist doctrination complete. <laughs> <laughs> Let me stop. <laughs> no, we uh, really appreciate that. And again, queer rock community, we're yeah. missing y'all. Yeah. So, oh, I didn't mention it at the beginning. Um, if you want to send us, you know, a little private correspondence, oh, you can do that. Through our Gmail, which is QueerRockPod at gmail.com. And again, uh, you want to use the hashtag, hashtag QueerWOC. Shoot us a DM on Twitter. Shoot us a DM on Instagram. We miss y'all. We want to engage with y'all. Tell us what's on your your mind. Yeah. And if you've been listening for like six episodes now, be like, oh, I've been been meaning to drop something in a PayPal. That's (laughs) paypal.me slash QueerWOC. All right, so moving on along. Mm-hmm. All right, Queer Rock community, do not be disappointed. You know, I normally make up my jingles at work, but I've had to use my brain at work. <laughs> Your jingles have weeks, been on, so I feel like you you get a break. Yeah, I think I can keep riding out on that Tevin that Campbell, Tevin Campbell <laughs> one. Rendition. It was a hit. <laughs> we got like five messages about that. <laughs> yeah. I'm wor- I'm I'm working. I'm in the kitchen whip- whipping up something. Yeah, it's not ready yet, but we will have a jingle for the next episode. And thank you for that reminder about that niacin and vitamins too, because you know I had to take some this week. It was really great. <laughs> it was. It was really great outside. All right. So moving on along to the mental moment with money. Thank you, Nikita. Okay, y'all. So today. I went to the Nita Walk here in Syracuse. And for those of you who are like, what the heck is a Nita Walk? Nita stands for the National Eating Disorders Association. And um, so they had their first ever walk here in Syracuse. Here, Creative Arts Therapy, that's who organized it. Um, and so it was a walk for um, for eating disorder awareness. And also there were a bunch of counseling and um, mental health services there, like vending, so that people could get access to therapists. Mm. And this, I mean, I've never seen an event like that, where, like, different therapists have t- literally tabling, like a student involvement fair, mm-hmm. but it's for therapists. Shit. And it just felt so accessible. There's no guesswork about, like, what therapists deal with eating disorders. Everybody's right there. Everybody's there. Yeah. So that felt really, um, like, encouraging for me this morning. But... You know me. <laughs> I always got my <laughs> black feminist intersectional goggles on. I noticed that there weren't. I was I was the only therapist of color there. Mm-hmm. And there weren't a lot of people of color in general. Sure. Um, specifically, there were two other black people <laughs> at this walk of about 350 people. 
I mean, it's interesting because, you know, when we were preparing um, for the show and, I, you know, we were talking about the segments and you were talking mm-hmm. about the moment, you mentioned that you told me that you had gone to that walk. And I was mm-hmm. like, what you was at that for? Exactly. And I feel like that actually, right, somebody who's supposed to be thoughtful and blah, 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 mm-hmm. like my immediate response demonstrates why we need to have um, black mental health professionals who um, who have, I guess, for the... I guess the term thrown around usually is like cultural competency. Because yeah. I'm like, like I didn't even, it just didn't even dawn on me. Which yes, I know, yeah. which, is, which I know is ridiculous that, you know, disordered eating is something that our community would need to yeah. even be mindful of. Not just mindful of, but need to have access to therapists yeah. who like work in that area. Right. I mean, if you think about, um, I'm not going to take this too deep, but like if you think about the histories of um, like uh, food deserts, mm. like an intentional intentionally separating us from access to like good food and good eating practices. Yeah. Um, and how that has, you know, how poverty impacts diet. Like we're sort of like predispositioned to disordered eating. Yeah. As folks of color. Um, so I just wanted to talk a little bit about, um, so I know I have like a contentious relationship with like Mm. trigger warnings. So I'm not going to get too deep into like eating disorder things. I'm just going to give y'all some, like, facts and statistics about folks of color, queer folks, and eating disorders, mm. and why, like, we should be, why this should be on our radar right, right. as, like, queer folks of color. So, yeah, I was just, I just completely nerded out about um, Ed. I'll call it that from here, from here forward, mm-hmm. if that feels better. I just nerded out about Ed after this walk because I was like, next year my goal is to take, like, a group of... Right. Of folks of color to this right. walk. Like, we should be there. And we should be there in numbers. Namely because we, as with most things, we are at, like, high risk for disordered eating. Um, so, I was reading on Nita's website. And, which I also love this. Because a lot of times with mental health stuff, you gotta, you gotta dig in the trenches, bitch, of research to find <laughs> things that relate to queer, sure. folks of, to queer folks and to queer folks of color. Yeah, especially... No, it's right there on their website, oh. right? I'm like, okay, Nita. Wait, you mean there's specific data <laughs> yes. for queer people of color yes. on the Nita website? And on the website. Damn. With infographics, bitch. Oh, I love <laughs> infographics, bitch. Come on. Come on with the knowledge. Yeah. So I'm just going to read a little bit of the statistics that stood out to me. So trans college students are the most like, or more likely than any other group in the nation to struggle with disordered eating. Wow. And when you just think about that, you're like, God damn, like any other group, it just, I don't know. We, we, when we talk about being most marginalized and like most impacted by systems of oppression, it's like, it don't just impact one part of your life. It, right, it, it, right, it's like pervasive. Right, right. So if you think about things like homelessness and um, mm. like, um, what is it called? Unemployment mm. that disproportionately impacts trans folks. Obviously, it will put them at greater risk for disordered eating. Black teenagers are two times more likely to struggle with bulimia. And so for those of you who don't know, bulimia is a cycle in which you binge eat and then purge. This doesn't mean that a lot of people think about purging in, I guess, like the the stereotypical way of just like eliminating the food from your body in Mm -hmm. some way. But purging can also look like um, excessive exercise um, like starving after binge eating, like purging looks a lot of different ways. I didn't ways. realize that. Yes. And black teens are two times more likely to deal with wow. that. Wow. Yeah. 
Latinx teens. Again, this is just on a website. Like, I ain't have to dig for this shit. I just think that's amazing. Um, Latinx teens, more likely than any um, other racial group in, like, their age range to binge eat. And this is a 2011 study. Wow. So, as far as studies go, that's pretty recent. Yeah. 48% of indigenous teens... Yeah, reported attempting to lose weight in comparison to only 22% of other teens. Mm. So, basically, indigenous teens doubled the rate. Right, right, right. Of, like, trying to lose weight and dieting. So, on the therapist end, because like I said, I was the only therapist of color there. I wanted to point out some racism within diagnosing eating disorders or ED. So, this this is a big issue and why I think... The need to walk was so white is that professionals don't recognize the ways in which folks of color do things and they we don't register in the diagnostic criteria for them because of racism. Okay. They'll chalk it up to our culture or mm. some other fucked up shit and then we get left out of services that we really need. Okay. So there was this study done in 2006 where they took three women, a white woman, a Latinx woman, and a black woman all who had already been clinically diagnosed with bulimia. Okay. And they presented them to this group of therapists, mm-hmm. right? 44% of the therapists identified the white woman as having bulimia. Okay. So even this is a problem because if if she's already been diagnosed as having it and only half about half of the therapists was like, "Yes, yeah, she got it." I think about like gender-based depression. That people think women are hysterical. hysterical. Yeah. Um, or just like exaggerating. Yeah. Or that it's a normal thing for women to yeah. constantly obsess yep. over like yep. their body yep. images yep. or what they're yep. eating. Um, to have anxiety around what they eat. These, these are not normal things. These are like signifiers that there's something going on with mm-hmm. your relation to food. So, 44% of the therapists identify the white woman. Which is actually less than half. It's that's, less that's than half. That's extremely alarming. It's, it's scary. of the therapists identified the Latinx woman as Mm -hmm. having bulimia. So just a little bit less. Damn. 17% of the therapists identified the black woman as having bulimia. Wow. Yeah. So um, I I didn't read and see how many therapists were in this study. Yeah. But to me, this sounds like one person was like, I think this black woman is dealing with bulimia. And I would venture to guess that that one therapist was probably a therapist of color. I was about to say, did they have a a race? Did they have a demographic breakdown of the therapist? Like a race and a gender thing? That would have been interesting to see. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. I just think like the steep drop. It's it's an astounding drop. Only 17% said that this black woman and so that brings me to the light at the end of the tunnel because you know i don't i just don't like to throw sure, out these sure god damn we struggling with this too there is hope <laughs> so there's a book by dr stephanie covington armstrong black baddie fucking it up in the mental health realm now, that's, I that's the name that's like that's the name right? that's like i'm not fucking around <laughs> Covington Armstrong? <laughs> I'll beat your ass. That's what that means. I will academically beat your ass. See my citations, bitch. <laughs> Run up. See my CV, bitch. <laughs> Smack the shit out of you with the CV. So she wrote this book called Not All Black Girls Know How to Eat. Ooh. And it's about her struggle with bulimia and her road to becoming a therapist to help other black girls dealing with wow. bulimia. 
And um, and so I just wanted to tell y'all about this because um, like I just think that it's so important for us to know, first of all, I think a lot of the stereotypes and misconceptions around Ed is that it's only the anorexia. deficit, anorexia. Yeah. Um, but to know that for folks of color and for queer folks, actually the binge eating yeah. is what yeah. we deal with more. Sure, sure. Um, and so in her book, she talks about the number one correlate, which means like the thing that tends to go along with people recovering or not dealing with um, binge eating is a sense of connectedness to your community. Oh, man. Man. So if you think, I mean, it's just, huh, it's just like the matrix, matrix of oppression at work. We are most, how many of y'all say that y'all love this podcast because it feels like you're talking to friends? Yeah. Like we are at, um, like it's a struggle for us to find community. Yeah. And if, if community and feeling socially connected is sort of the number one correlate for like not binge eating. I even think about this. Like when I'm bored, I I was sitting at home by myself. I was thinking about. I just I just was like talking to. I like mentioned this um, to my therapist mm-hmm. like a few weeks ago. I was like, you know, I think I've been feeling sad and I just been eating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's like that social isolation. Yeah. Um. And so I just to me that was like that's the hope that I want to like end this with. Um. Because. Shit, if connectedness is the one thing that we can do, like, that's, you know, it's tangible. It's like, oh, shit. Like, having a sense of I'm not the only one is the biggest thing that can help me deal with this. Y'all know I'm all for that. Right. So, yeah. Wow. So, again, check out Dr. Stephanie Covington Armstrong's book, Not All Black Girls Know How to Eat. I, I mean, like I said, I nerded out about this. Just knowing that queer folks of color yeah. out there dealing with ED, you're not the only one. And I think it's sort of been like normalized that we don't talk about it. We, it's like we don't even think about folks of color dealing with eating disorders. Right, right. So. I, I had no idea about any of this. And it, I mean, this is just so helpful for so many different reasons, but this is some. This is just one of the you know many times where I feel like you've actively. I don't feel like no. You have actually t- expanded and changed my worldview on something. Cause you know I was like, bitch, what you was at the yeah. the thing for? And I'm like, oh, yeah. and I'm like, how come we weren't there? Exactly. Right now I'm like, all right. So anybody want to come with me to this needle walk right. next year? Oh, and they also do raffles at this needle walk. <laughs> they they um they have like awards for people who bring the biggest teams or like. Bitch, if a black girl team wins, right. or if a, que- oh, if a queer rock team wins right. the needle walk, right. pff, talk about intersectionality, bitch. We, and we access turn to- that thing out. I'm even thinking about, like, this. It, there were literally tables of therapists out there. Yeah. Like, I could be your therapist. Wow. And, like, even though I was the only therapist of color. Sure. Like, what it would mean, first of all, to have more therapists of color there and to have people just come. Even if you don't deal with Ed... Like, to just show up and be like, I could get there's a therapist one pl- there. There's one place where there's a horde of exactly. therapists? Exactly. Sign me up. Yep. Mama getting some new sneaker shoes because I'm walking next <laughs> you year. <walk>. Yeah. <laughs> and it was at Inner Harbor, too, so it was beautiful. Ooh, it was so nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, you know, it was like bougie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that, that was, those are some really, um, 
not just powerful statistics, but um, learning about Stephanie Covington Armstrong, mm-hmm. like that. This is this is phenomenal money. Thank you. Oh, I'm glad because I was like a little nervous about it because I didn't want it to be heavy. Yeah, because I felt inspired after sure, the walk. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, so I didn't want it to be heavy, but like, yeah. And I saw that that there was a video, a viral video going around about. The racism that black women face with medical doctors sure, and like sure. reporting their pain. Sure. And right here on the Nita website, they're like, black women also face racism yeah. in dealing with eating disorders. Sure, sure. It's like for for only seventeen percent of therapists to be like that is whew. Yeah. Wow. So unfathomable. Yeah. And I'm even thinking about like I'm never I'm just really thankful that this organization is sort of like, it seems to me that they have like an intentionality around like folks of color stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because to know that indigenous teens are dealing with like weight and body image stuff at twice the rate as everybody else in their age group, Mm -hmm. that says something to me too. Right, right, right. Yeah, so. Wow. I just want to do something now, you know? This is is so so eye-opening and so informative. I know there's some, like, queer walks out there doing some, like, food justice eating Somebody, shit. Somebody, right. Yeah. Y'all link link us. Link us. Yeah. Use the hashtag, tell, tell me, somebody, because, like, wow. Right. I'm just so on fire about this now. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. I just, I just, this, this is, I feel like this constitutes a crisis. It is, right? Right? Yeah. If because if you can't get diagnosed with it, then how the hell can you, can't, you get you can't access to treatment? Yeah, but see, you can't work through yeah. it. Yeah, but again, a sense of connectedness—the <laughs> number one thing thank for you dealing for, with it. Honestly, I laugh, but thank you for bringing it back to that point because it can't be you underscored know. enough. So when we say community, this shit is clinically proven. Clinically help. Right. <laughs> Bad bitch tested, clinically approved. <laughs> Back to you, Nikita. <laughs> All right, Stan's Mick Perkle. And now our bi-weekly word with our womanist worker wordsmith, Nikita. Ding 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 ding. Yeah. Oh my we have got to end with the yeah. Do you know what's so funny? I've had this Beyonce song stuck in my head for the longest. And I didn't know why. Do you remember Beyonce's song "Worldwide Woman"? No. It's 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 old. Worldwide Woman, www. You can love it anywhere. Your girl will take you there. It's this I've old. Never heard it's this, this old Beyonce, Beyonce song. song, and it's all them W's made me think of that song. Okay, so now I gotta call you the worldwide womanist. Worker, wordsmith. Wow, we really, we're really, we're like <laughs> W to the sixth power. <laughs> this week, we're going to talk about voting or not. Colon these damn Democrats. Okay. <laughs> so this is kind of going to be an extenuation, um, an extension of the last uh, word where we talked about Kavanaugh, because there's a lot that has come out. Recently, that I think Kevin now <laughs> that really um, gets at some of the things that stick in my craw about <laughs> elections oh and voting gosh. and social change. Somebody to give you your own segment on like the local news or something. It sticks in my craw. You know what sticks in my craw? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, unfortunately, um, un- yeah. 
unfortunately, Kavanaugh has been confirmed to sit on the Supreme Court. So now there's not one, but there's two known uh, sexual abusers sitting at the highest echelons of our society. Until they die. Right. I mean, I mean, right. That, that's not a suggestion. Oh, I'm my God. <laughs> the NSA. Okay, this this segment is done. The podcast is done. Money and I will be. Uh, I was I was just merely highlighting that it's, it's a, a lifetime, lifetime appointment. appointment. Right. So. Should any harm come to him? I mean. Okay, moving right along. So now everybody is in overdrive. Telling us that we have to vote. Yeah. Right. Vote or die. Mm-hmm. Vote like your lives depend on mm-hmm. it. Right. And and I've already seen it happening. Right. Where so though so people who don't vote, right, or people who vote third party are going to essentially be cast as one step below the devil. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I already saw New York Times columnist, columnist, and writer who's good on a lot of things. Not so much on this. Charles Blow, he tweeted. And the tweet had like thousands of retweets and like 10,000 likes. Where he posted this video about Susan Sarandon. And he says, every time we have a bad day like this, I'm reminded of how much I'm still upset with people like Susan Sarandon. We didn't have to be here. And so Susan Sarandon is one of the... uh, Few people, you know, actress who publicly supported Green Party candidate Jill Stein. Mm-hmm. And so we don't th- we don't have to relitigate the 2016 election. And the thing that bothers me and other leftists when liberals and Democrats do that is that they never, ever want to account for or talk about how Democrats um are to blame. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Not just like their role in the rise of Trump and all the um dis you know, the horrific things that have come about through his administration, how he rose to power, and concretely in this most recent um Kavanaugh debacle, like Democrats have really like they really botched this on a lot of different levels but there's no self there's no real self or organizational reflection mm-hmm. about how democrats yeah. um just didn't mount um a, the sort of resistance hashtag resistance that they claim to be a part of and so there's two points that i want to make that are related so and i want to be clear because this is always the canard or the trope that's thrown out unless you're talking about sectarian fringe the, the argument from serious leftists is not that the Democrats and the Republicans are the same. And, and given the acutely horrific nature of the Trump administration, no person who was mildly sentient would say that the Democrats and the Republicans are the same mm-hmm. and that we're not living in some dystopian hellscape with Trump. That Right, I, I will concede that. Mm-hmm. There's two points, but one point is especially important for our discussion. So... The first is, like, yeah, like I said, they never want to attribute any blame to the Democrats or apply any sort of scrutiny, right? And so there's widespread outrage and there was widespread, you know, discuss, not just at Kavanaugh, but with Trump. So the questions that the Democrats never asked themselves is, how is there such widespread disgust and revulsion at this fascist, white supremacist, sexist, 
regime. But how come that that disgust never translates? Because that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But how come that never translates into enthusiasm for the Democratic Party? Mm-hmm. Right. That mm-hmm. that's an important mm-hmm. because that's what the Democrats. Right, right. That's what they run on yeah. so much. We're not them. We're not them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that that doesn't inspire. It's not enough. That it's not ins- fucking enough. That doesn't inspire. Yeah. Um, enthusiasm. And so again, like I said, this. The, the argument is not that the Democrats and the Republicans um, are same are the same. The two points that actually that we're actually trying to make are one is that the the Democrats are often complicit in backing policies that either totally devastate the lives of oppressed and exploited people, right? So we think about like mass incarceration, yep. that balloon yeah. under a, a republic, uh, excuse me, a democratic president. We think about how up until Trump, the the immigrant rights movement nickname for uh, Barack Obama was deporter in yeah. chief, yeah. right? We don't we talk we don't talk about how also with um Clintons and it's pretty much standard um uh policy and position within like establishment Democrats, there's been a total not just a decimation of welfare and social assistance, but there's no real attempt um, from like the higher uh, echelons of the party to bring back any kind of social uh, welfare. And then the total decimation in general of like public education is like Democrats Mm -hmm. are not just complicit in those kind of things, but they have actively supported policies that either, like I said, that have totally ruined and decimated people's lives oppressed people's lives Mm -hmm. the second point about the serious criticism of the democratic party um is that rarely do they ever when it comes down to it as the old folks said when it's time when it's time to show and prove they hardly ever mount any kind of successful successful or sharp fight Against the total and utter destruction of the right. They routinely and colossally fail. We could debate about if that's really something that they're committed to doing, but that's besides the point. It feels like they hold back. Like, what are you you holding back from saying, like, fuck the right? Right. (laughs) Because they they are perfectly fine with saying, fuck the Democrats. Right. (laughs) And so, we don't need to do, like, Charles Blow and try to blame... Um, Stein supporters or um, the more progressive wing of the Democrats like, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders, Cynthia Nixon, and uh, what's his name? Andrew Gillum in Florida, the Stacey mm-hmm, Adams. Mm-hmm. So it's not about disparaging those those progressive forces or, again, people who just either don't vote and say, I'm not enthused yeah. by anybody. Yeah. Or, you know, the people who vote outside of mm-hmm. the two-party system. What they need to do is we can look right now at the whole Kavanaugh debacle and see how they totally failed to mount any, sh- like, strident, stringent uh, fight back against this man's uh, confirmation. Like- Hell no, he won't go. Like, there was none of that from, like, the Democrats. Boom. So, I'm not, I don't want to, for the sake of time, I don't want to get into kind of going through the, all of the brazen lies that he told during the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing. I'm going to post a link in the show notes that there is a very good, it's a bit of a long read, but this uh, lefty uh, magazine called Current Affairs, this guy wrote a really sharp article laying out all of the brazen lies that Kavanaugh told in that hearing and how Democrats just totally let it go unchecked. Wow. Right? 
So it was astoundingly and abundantly clear that he lied, right? And so just to give some examples, because, you know, we try to be concrete here. I mean, he his opening statement, because one of the things that they say, you know, judges mm -hmm. should be impartial. So he opens a statement saying that the attacks, you know, basically that this quote-unquote targeting and attack on him was a left-wing Democrat-funded yeah. Yeah. Um, basically plot mm -hmm. to destroy him. Yep. That, that fool is speaking... That is, yeah. that is, That's conspiracy theory. Not only is it... Con so it's conspiracy theory, but it's totally partisan. Yeah. Like, that is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And some people have pointed out that it's also... It's like anti-Semitic, and you be like, why is it that? Because there's always this trope that the right loves to push out about George... About George Soros, right? Who's who's um, who's Jewish and he's um a philanthropist and you know he's, you know, totally rich and so there's always this trope that you know leftists anytime there's any kind of resistance it's always like this rich Jewish man giving mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um paying protesters and mm -hmm. that's that's totally a disgusting and anti-Semitic trope. He didn't specifically invoke, um, Soros, but he's definitely playing on yeah. that trope. So he's there's that and then people kept saying why did he um. Like, Democrats weren't forceful enough on going back to, like, some of the really vile and vicious things that demonstrate that he had no respect and that he was a, to that he was a total drunk that was, like, mm -hmm. very clear in his yearbook. Mm -hmm. They didn't push on that. Mm -hmm. And so, like, there was, these, there was these clear things. They didn't, they didn't point out the glaring contradictions or the um, inconsistencies in how he was answering questions. They, they didn't do that. Right. And what they, what they did do is that they put all of their eggs... And that FBI investigation. Yes, they did. That, that they put all their eggs in that raggedy basket. Yeah, yeah. And anybody who knows anything about yeah. any sort of uh, leftist movement in this country, we know how the FBI. Nigga, oh. <laughs> please cut that. I'm not gonna cut I'm that. I'm just like, nigga, what? The FBI. The same FBI that assassinated Black Panthers, Malcolm X. The, the reason why Sada can't come back, right? The same FBI that still ain't found no tangible proof that um that Trump has colluded with Russia, even though we all basically know it. He sure. basically done tweeted the shit, but the FBI still can't find that. It. For that somehow, FBI. somehow that FBI <laughs> was going to magically come in and, like Money said, usher some kind of justice. <laughs> As as old folks say, you watch your rabbit ass mind if you thought that the FBI was going to do that, right? Yeah. And so instead of being forceful in those yeah, hearings, yeah. just like sticking it to mm -hmm. them, being like, look, you're lying, you're not making sense, they didn't do that. And so some of my friends, because I've just uh, been posting about this on um, Facebook and social media, so two of my friends on Facebook who are uh, socialists or organizers, um, Elizabeth and Jen, they brought up really good ideas that they've heard from other people who are organizing against Kavanaugh's confirmation about what the Democrats could have done. So, like, somebody had the idea. Elizabeth said she talked to somebody, and they were like, how, what, what kind of powerful message would have sent if the uh, Democrats would have had a separate set of hearings where, because we know that he's a serial predator mm -hmm. and that there were other women other that women. came forward. Yeah. So, what if they had held a separate set of hearings where they let the other survivors test testify and then for where the Republicans would have sat, those seats would have been empty. Mm -hmm. That would have sent a, a visual, a powerful visual message. Mm -hmm. One, that look, look, Republicans are not here. And then most importantly, you could have heard the testimony yeah, yeah. of the other women. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They, they didn't do that, right? And then when it, when it came down to the actual um, confirmation, 
vote after the hearing, they totally, again, they shirked their responsibility by putting all of the eggs um, in the FBI. And the and that investigation, which reports have come out and shown that it was totally circumscribed, it was narrow in scope and essentially useless. There's so many, there's hordes of people that they didn't interview, people yeah. who said that they could, um, they could provide um, testimony and testify mm-hmm. to the fact that, you know, Brett Kavanaugh not only abused women, it was like graphic and objectified women, but he totally would get... Um, Blackout drunk. Mm-hmm. Other people who had witnessed his really horrific and atrocious behavior. They didn't interview none of them people. Right? And so because they put all of their eggs in that basket and when the FBI came back and said, we ain't find nothing. You, you, you have no... Democrats had no leverage. No leg, yeah. And then, as most folks know, there were four senators that were on the fence. Right? So Susan Collins, who's a Republican. Fuck her. Fuck her. And anybody that loves her. Jeff Flake, Republican. Mm-hmm. Fuck him and anybody that loves him. Joe Manchin, who is a Democrat. I'm going to come back to him. <laughs> and then Lisa Murkowski, who's a Republican. But she ended up not. She ended up voting no. Mm-hmm. And so Joe Manchin, again, could you... And so he was, he was saying that he was on the fence. So could you imagine if Democratic senators... And other people in the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, could you imagine if scores of them came out publicly and said, Joe Manchin, if you do this, you will be totally cut yeah. off and isolated from, from the rest the of the party. Yeah, yeah. You will receive not NAN funding, not NAN support, not NAN resource. Right? Mm-hmm. Drawing a line. Drawing a line, yeah. They, they did not do that. So, th- so these are concrete things that they could have done. And... And also, there was scores of people in the streets. They, they didn't mm-hmm. say, hey, mm-hmm. Democrat, uh, Democratic voters, you know, you need to be sitting in in yeah. Manchin's office, yeah. Susan Collins' yeah. office. You know, they always send out a fucking email about trying to, uh, about fundraising. They didn't yeah. send out emails yeah. throughout their networks mm-hmm. to be like, get your ass in that street, call these senators, block we civil disobedience. Yeah. We, we are saying no. Yeah. And some of these motherfuckers are still saying, I'm still willing to reach exactly. across the aisle. Yeah. I still want to work. They, with- they still say that shit, yeah. And um, Nancy Pelosi, who's, uh, what is she, the Senate Minority uh, Whip or Rep- Speaker or yeah. whatever. Anyway, the point is, she's a high, high-ranking person in the party. Mm-hmm. So somebody asked her if she was going to you know, move in the direction, if she supported moving in the direction of impeaching Kavanaugh, she's like, well, that's not really, you know, um, I don't support that. What? She's like, you know, we're just going to take it one day at a time. We have other things to focus on. Like what? Like what? Y'all ain't been doing shit. And exactly. And so it's like some people would say, you know, it wouldn't be fair to isolate Manchin. It would, that, that would be rude. Like I can imagine some people saying that you can't isolate him for voting, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, not, What's not fair and what's harsh is having a serial predator, mm-hmm. a serial predator, and a right wing ideologue seated in a lifetime position yeah, of power. Yeah. Right? Come on, Nikita. And who will surely work to ruin the lives of the most oppressed. Yeah. A lifetime yeah. appointment. And getting to the point that you said earlier, this is the difference between Republicans and Democrats. Because something I kept trying to ask myself is, why, why were the Republicans so adamant about getting this motherfucker? And when we mm-hmm. know they probably have a laundry list. Of others. They have a laundry list mm-hmm. of right-wing scum that they could dredge yeah. up from their yeah. um, own hell. Their own mm-hmm. conservative right-wing ideological hell. 
So why this one? So one, they knew for sure that he was ideologically committed to, you know, eroding envi like environmental protections, immigrants' rights, worker rights, um, abortion, civil rights. Every, every right. right. Every right. And every second, human right he's willing to attack. He, right. Rip it up. Yeah. And then second, because I, I was like, why would they just choose somebody else? And if you hear them, you hear, like, you hear from Donald Trump, you hear, you heard it from, um, like, Fox and other right-wing mm -hmm. commentators where p they kept saying, you know, it's a dangerous time for false accusations, right? This is a time where people's lives are going to be destroyed, talking specifically boys and men. And so what I think that they understood, so this is how they, they understood what the stakes were. And so what I think that they specifically wanted to get him in and didn't want to concede by going to somebody else, because I think that they understood this as a fight. Um, against me too. Oh my god! That, that's that's what Nikita. I think. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's like because what kind of powerful right, victory right. would that have been for yes. our side if we were like if no, you are yes. a serial predator you, you cannot, cannot reach the highest. Oh my god, I, I think Nikita. that they know that, and so this is, they understand the you stakes. Are so right. They understand you are so right. the stakes. Yeah. And they fought like this. Like I was yeah. when I watched oh some gosh. of the video. I just got goosebumps when I watched some of the video. I was floored. By how much he was lying. And I'm like, this motherfucker yeah. is lying about stuff that he doesn't know about. That doesn't even, it's not even worth lying yeah. about. Right? Like this whole pretending that you're like an angel, like choir boy. Yeah. But so I'm like, why are they doing it? And they're strategic. Because they know that making it seem as if he's some good Catholic oh Christian God. boy. It's like he, all he's, the appealing, he's appealing to their evangelical right wing white supremacist base. I'm, I'm the I'm the captain of the basketball right. team. I study my ass. It's all, it's like. It was that feel that feels now like a script and a strategy yes. of like all these men that you could accuse, right? Right. Like you can you can accuse somebody and they will get appointed to the highest. Right. Like, and so this oh is a so this is so I think that this is a twofold victory. Not to say that our side I mean, I wasn't personally involved in any of these organizing efforts, but I saw scores and scores of people who um, were planning actions, planning protests, mobilizing, and organizing. But uh, unfortunately, I think that this is a loss for our side, and I think that they did win to further advance their, you know, their right-wing agenda, and I think it's a... You know, it's them saying, we're not going to let Me Too mm -hmm. get in the way of protecting um, these white men in power. White men in particular in power, but men, like abusers in general. You're like, I bet people are thinking... What does any of this have to do? Because if they said, if if he wouldn't have gotten appointed, appointed it would have been a message of, if you sexually assault or right, rape, you cannot be in this country's government. You can't. That would have cleaned house. Right. Who would be left? It would have set a precedent. Right. 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 So, right. so even though I know, we know that they have a list of others, I think that they understood the stakes. And this is why they're like, we're going to ram this motherfucker through. So you can see... I mean, this just this most recent, you know, case around Kavanaugh demonstrates why people are not usually enthusiastic about voting mm -hmm. for Democrats, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so there's they never draw. It's like if if racism isn't the line for Democrats, if like um, xenophobia isn't the line for Democrats. If, um, like, bodily autonomy and, like, women's right. rights aren't the line for Democrats. Like, how can I be excited about you? Right. Like, you've... Exactly. You've, you've done the, well, well, to every part of my, like, identity. Right. Every part of my life. Everything 
everything a part of my material and lived reality. Yeah, yeah. And so I kind of wanted to compare this um, and contrast this because we also just found out that Jason Van Dyke, the police officer who emptied 16 bullets into Laquan McDonald, um, was convicted on 16 counts. Um, I don't know if it, I don't know if it was murder or it, I can't I remember. I think it was like murder in the second. Cause, so I'm going to connect the threads because I'm sure people are like, well, how is this connected? So, I mean, that is a victory. That is a huge victory just in general, but especially when we start talking about police murders, because how many times have we seen an indictment, but no conviction? Right. And there's, so there's two things I want to say. It's just not a coincidence to me that one of this rare victory around killer cops happened in a place like Chicago where they have been yeah. organizing their fucking yeah. ass off. Yeah. Right. And Chicago is also a really good example um, of like these broader points about the Democrats because Chicago is a city that's essentially run by Democrats. And you have the mayor of Chicago, Rahm Emanuel, who has who came out after the Trump election and tried to like position himself as some as some kind of leader in like the fight against Trump's Trump's agenda, right? And actually, Rahm Emanuel spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to block the release the um, the releasing of the footage of. Um, the of the cop shooting Laquan McDonald, and this again, this is a Democrat. Mm -hmm. And then you think about again, going back to my earlier point about how Rahm Emanuel ushered in these really totally cruel um, cuts, like historic cuts to public education in Chicago, mm -hmm. right? You think about how there was um, this uh, real, there was this effort to um, in Chicago to not make it so that this cop academy that they were trying to build, which is like $90 million, how that should have been cut. Oh because Rahm Emanuel has not just cut funding mm -hmm. to public education, but to like really vital uh, mental health resources. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is, again, this is a Democrat, right? And so voting is simply one tactic that we have in our toolbox. Mm -hmm. So in the same, I don't think it's the end all be all action in terms of social change. Yeah. So it's like, it can't be. And so, and so, cause somebody, I'm sure the response to me bringing up Rahm Emanuel, somebody could say, well, he's a neoliberal corporate Democrat. What about progressive Democrats? Like, um, Cynthia Nixon, Cynthia Nixon and mm -hmm. Alexandria, Alexandria uh, Ocasio, and there's so many others. Again, mm -hmm. Andrew in Florida, and there's so many, right? Mm -hmm. And so here's what I here, Stacy in Atlanta, Stacy Adams yeah. in Georgia, um, and there's even like people here who are running because you mentioned um, earlier when we were talking about we've got this awful man uh, who's our representative, uh, John Catco. Get that motherfucker get the, get out. Get him. Get him out the paint. Right. So here's what I'm saying. You do whatever you, your conscience tells you to do on November 6th in that voting booth, right? I don't think that we can trash people. I don't think that yeah. the ire should go to third-party voters or yeah. people who don't vote, yeah. right? The fact, and so, but 
even though I mentioned these progressive Democrats, you think about how much the establishment Democrats do a lot to isolate these, yeah. right? Yeah. They yeah. isolate mm-hmm. and do everything that they can to push out yep. these um, mm-hmm. progress, this progressive yeah. wing of the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. right? And so what I'm saying is you do whatever you want to do on November 6th, but that's just one day out of the year. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are you going to do between November 7th, 2018, and two, and what is it? November, whatever the Tuesday is, in 2020. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I feel like what we are in, um, I think that the most important thing that we can do is to either join, participate, or support ongoing grassroots organizing mm-hmm. because people people really tried and this I think that this is an important point people really tried to push people like those four senators uh, who were on the fence and it's and I, I want to clear something up because I saw a lot of people saying you know a lot of people were naive thinking that Collins, you know, a white woman would, you know, support women. And it's like, I think some people really were, I think some white liberals, particularly white liberal women, were really naive and thinking that. White but, women have never. But I, but I think that the most important thing is I think that people, people organize, and not because they thought that she would come to the, um, she would find it in her heart to be mm-hmm. a per- better person, but it's like they thought that they had built up enough power to actually push her to do the thing mm-hmm. that we wanted her to do, and that is that's power. Yeah. And so the fact that I think that there's a lot of accomplishments that came out of that. I feel like there are people probably who never organized who are now attached to other organizers mm-hmm. and who, other organizations, people who now have been trained and have the experience of civil disobedience to keep doing mm-hmm. it. Right, so so it's not a total loss, yeah. but what it does demonstrate is that we do not have enough power on our side. The thing that I always say is we don't have we don't have the Yale connections, yeah. right? We don't have the money. The thing that we have is numbers. Yeah. So the thing that I implore you to do is again, I'm not because I don't think that it's the most important thing that we can do. That thing being voting, you again, you do whatever you want to do on the sixth. But I think that what we what this shows is that we have to build up the organizations that are fighting to beat back this really right, not just beat back this right wing agenda, but to actually put forth and create the society that we know that Mm -hmm. we want and deserve. Mm -hmm. Right. So when I talk about um, participating and joining in organizations, I'm thinking about, I think it's important to point out that, you know, we're talking specifically about like membership based run and led organizations, right. Organizations where the members, uh, particularly people, those affected by the issues are the ones who are in in the leadership, leading those organizations and making decisions about campaigns um, and strategies and tactics, right? And um, I just sorry. and just um, the last thing I'll say mm-hmm. is like they should, you know, grassroots like organizations, right? So not because I mean the thing about the political parties here, like I mean, because you know Democrats mm-hmm. is like there's no. There's no mechanism in the Democratic Party where the 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 constituents actually um, 
Like, have, there's there's no institutional organ where people on the ground are actually the ones like, oh, I think this needs to be on the mm-hmm. agenda. I mean, it's through mm-hmm. because people organize and mobilize mm-hmm. and push, but it's not like, oh, we go to a conference and we vote. This is the thing right, that this right. is the this is the platform that we're going to carry forward. Wow. You do you know, so yeah. that's so this is why, like, you know, you should participate. And yeah. you're in a union, in a yeah. worker center, or mm-hmm. in a community-based mm-hmm. organization. Is there, like, a Black Lives Matter chapter? Yes. Yeah. Um, what uh, Are there, like, feminist organizations mm-hmm. who are, again, fighting and bu- who are doing base building? and mm-hmm. Meaning building up the numbers and the capacity of organizations and movements so we actually have the power yeah. to win. Because yeah. the last thing I'll close on is this really wonderful article by uh, the late radical historian Howard Zinn. He wrote this article in 2005 where he, the title of it is Do Not Despair about the Supreme Court because he makes the point that, yes, you know, these are lifetime appointments and they have very they make decisions and have power over our lives. But the thing that has always given us the rights that we need and that we know that we deserve our movement. movement. Like he's given mm-hmm. this, like he gave this really a great example about how um, we look like when the Supreme Court ruled on um, Brown versus Board. He's like, they invoked the 14th Amendment, and that was the same 14th Amendment that was invoked um, to justi- to to give out the verdict in Plessy versus Ferguson, mm-hmm. right? Separate, which is essentially separate mm-hmm. but equal, which we know was never equal. Mm-hmm. And he said, he made the good point. He was like, nothing about the 14th Amendment had changed between Plessy versus Ferguson and um, Brown, Brown versus Board, mm-hmm. but except that there was a mass movement that forced it, yeah. right? Forced. Um, that changed the political climate and the atmosphere and actually put pressure on those in charge. He also mentioned the same thing about all of the many rights uh, that workers particularly uh, won in, uh, in the 1930s and how the power of the federal government was used to implement all of these um, policies in the New Deal because they knew that there were going to be people were going to be at their throats and at their doors with mm-hmm. pitchforks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think that th- that was a really inspiring um, article. And I think that that is actually um, a really important... So joining movements, joining organizations, and building those up so we can have the, the power and the capacity to win is actually the long-term mm. strategy, right? So again, you do whatever your conscience tells you to do on uh, November 6th, but I hope that... I mean, even before November 7th, and it's... I mean, I know that we're limited in terms of time and capacity, but even if you can just... Even if you just donate or if, you know, whenever you're, the time in your life, you know, allows you to... Just support and join uh, these organizations because that's our best bet and that's our best ticket um, to actually, again, stop the the right-wing agenda, but also making sure that our side can actually advance and, imp- and you know, improve the lives of the most marginalized and oppressed um, in our society. The thing with voting and, like, f- telling people to vote and all this, it also, like, asks people who have been so hurt by this system to put faith in it too. Mm-hmm. And so like that's that's also really fucked up. Um and so yeah, don't don't knock anybody who like don't vote or who chooses to vote for somebody who's who's doing more than saying we ain't them. Right. Thanks for that word, Nikita. I was I, you, I was real heated about it. I could tell. Your your um vocal lines were high <laughs> there. <laughs> Oh, that's the beauty of the podcast because I feel like it allows me a, like an outlet because I've yeah. just been walking around fuming about this yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah, and it's just a, it's a hell of a time to be teaching gender studies one on one. I tell you that. Yeah. 
So tell us your thoughts about your approach to voting, how you decide um, that you're going to vote. And um, also tell us other ways um, that you engage and um, maybe suggest some organizations, right? Some organizations Mm -hmm. that you support or, you know, that, you know, other people know, trust and support. And um, yeah, because if there's like if there's a, a, a badass like feminist organization out there doing like you know like me too stuff or like really pushing people to to make decisions to protect um like abortion services yeah yeah, or yeah. like reproductive justice that's gonna be really let us important. know i yeah. would i would love to make a donation in the name of queer walk oh so my if gosh y'all just yes hashtag yes. it and like tag us in something of an organization yeah i'm just feeling so um like i can't sit still right yeah. now yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, join us uh, in the conversation using hashtag QueerWOC. All right. Why are you looking at me like that? Make sure, make sure you are right. I'm okay. I'm just mad. I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. Right. So, this is supposed to be the topic segment. Yeah. I just feel like I have, like, two things that I want to, I guess, like, shout out, I guess. Yeah. Um, cause we don't really have a topic. Yeah. So first is that this is continuing LGBT history month. So, you know, it's just like a good time to be queer, I guess, yeah. <laughs> in October. Um, and also that this episode is going to be posted on national coming, coming out, out day. day. Uh-huh. Um, and so whoop whoop to everybody who, uh, will be coming out mm-hmm. when this episode drops and also, whoop whoop to everybody who, um, you know, it doesn't have like the safety right. or the like access to do so. And whoop whoop to everybody who don't want to come out. Right, like, right. This shit ain't necessary, um, especially not in these political times. Sure. So, um, but I guess a bigger shout out to um, acknowledging the fluid, those of us who dare to be flagrantly alive in the sight of all of our ancestors Mm -hmm. and be fluid in our genders in our sexualities um in our love Mm -hmm. uh uh, for each other so yeah well said yeah anytime we explicitly ask y'all for topics and suggestions y'all always come through and y'all never disappoint Mm -hmm. so what are the things that you all are interested in things that you want to hear us Talk about, are, do you have connections to any guests, Queer Walk uh, women yeah. that you would love to have us um, have on the program? Somebody, you know, you would show. love to interview, mm-hmm. whether they're an organizer, an artist, a filmmaker, um, I, whatever. Or just a single dyke, you know. This is not the love line. <laughs> Not not that kind of party. Or maybe it's a couple that's looking for me. No, you are, you are going to stop. You, I hear... <laughs> The same way we have to organize around the right-wing agenda, I'm putting an end to your thruple agenda. Oh, my gosh. Stop it. I feel marginalized. Good. <laughs> so, go ahead, write your uh, neighborhood queer walk beekeeper <laughs> and tell her that we want to have her on the program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, y'all. Yeah. yeah. So, help us out, y'all. Submit a topic. Because if not, we just going to have to hear, mo- hear more money droning on about thruples and... 
Excuse you, drone it on. Yeah. I feel like I feel like thotty topics are much needed and appreciated oh on this here program, okay? Fair enough. Thotting is resistance, okay? Oh my god. Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so money, hmm. do we want to move into the curve, 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 curve. <laughs> chronicle? Curved. Um, <laughs> You've sure. been curved. <laughs> I don't have a specific curved chronicle um, because nothing is happening in that realm of my life. But nothing should be happening in that realm of your life in this time either because Venus is in Scorpio and it's retrograde in bitch. What is that? What does all of that mean? <laughs> so Venus is the part of our like, um, uh, astrological map that controls love and relationships. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, all things, Related to curving and being chose and cuffing season and all that stuff okay. is controlled by Venus. But Venus is currently in Scorpio. My Venus is in Scorpio, so I tend to know. I, I you know a little something about Venus in Scorpio. It's already um pretty like what is it called temperamental okay. Venus in Scorpio because it's all or nothing in like matters of like love and relationships. And so when you throw that in reverse, it just kind of fucks everything up because it's already intensity. Okay. It's already like passion and so um, it doesn't obsession. Dial it, down. it does not dial it down. It um, revs it up. Yeah, think about putting chaos in reverse, <laughs> pretty much. Okay. Um, and so this is pretty much. That's what Venus is doing right now. <laughs> and so I just wanted to say a little bit about like Venus retrograding in um, Scorpio and what that means. So um, so as with like any planet, when it retrogrades, whatever that controls, it means that people from the past are going to come back or you're going to get like an extreme urge to reach out from people from the past. So like Venus controlling your love life means that exes are going to try to come back mm -hmm. or you're going to get the, like, sudden urge to reach back out to, All like, right. past flames. Good, don't do it. It's just Venus retrograded in <laughs> Scorpio. And so, and, oh, also, like, if you're thinking of, like, oh, is this the one that got away? Or, like, this hookup that could have been something more. It's not a good time to, like, try to start to... right. See, explore that when Venus is retrograded in Scorpio, right? Um, trust issues are a big thing when Venus retrogrades in Scorpio. So if you're in a current, like, relationship and that starts to happen and you feel like, um, you know, some, something is going on in the uh -huh. trust department, it could be because of this. Right. You're like, nah, babe, no, yeah. we good. <laughs> yeah, Venus is in Scorpio good. and it's in retrograde. Yes. Um, uh, relationships can start to get, like, rocky and hit speed bumps. So, like, if you're... If you're dating and you haven't heard from the person you're dating in like three days, like stuff like that can happen when Venus is retrograding in uh, Scorpio. And another thing about Venus and Scorpio, and I, this is this is like I have a double whammy because I'm a Virgo and my Venus is in Scorpio. Um, Venus and Scorpio likes perfection. And so it's like this idealistic view of love. 
And mm-hmm. so it's like my relationship is going to look like this shit happens to me. Like the minute I start vibing with somebody. I, I, was, I was about to say, <laughs> you've already pictured the house. I, I plan out the, the kids, whole relationship. The children's outfits that they're going to wear on their first day to school. Yes. So with Venus retrograding in Scorpio. It's basically the opposite of that. So, like, everything is bad, and here's how this um, relationship is going to go up in flames. So, again, not a good time to start anything up. I wanted to give y'all, like, an astrological forecast of when we can expect our love lives to be (laughs) safe again. This is Money, your uh, meteorologist. (laughs) So, um, Venus is retrograding. Uh, It started on the 5th of October and it's going to end on the 16th of November. Oh, that's a long time. It's a long time, but if you think about it, this is the perfect time to focus on other relationships in your life, like friendships, family relationships, seeking out community. We know connection is like a a barrier to a lot of things. I mean, um, uh, support to a lot of things, you know. You can use this time to reflect on how you treat those close to you. Mm. You can reevaluate your relationships and values. You can come up with a way to set yourself on the right path involving these things. Um, and I should say I'm reading I'm reading this from a post that uh, like Toya blessed me with. So thank you, Toya. <laughs> you can expect um, difficulty expressing uh, affection or feelings during this time. Exes trying to backslide and come, you know, sliding them DMs. Mm-mm. And you can expect to have an intense urge for, like, intimacy and physical connection. Um, yeah. So, here's what you should not do in this um, astrological curving season. <laughs> <laughs> Don't try to end a relationship suddenly right now. Just not not a good idea it's not in the stars i mean i feel um, like we should say unless it's oh yeah yeah, yeah. unhealthy oh yeah that, yeah because i don't want to be like you know yeah, but, you know them bitches told me to stay in this trash <laughs> relationship girl now i'm i'm saying like you know if you're kind of feeling bored right. or something like right. mm, i want to mix things right. up try to hold out until the 16th and see see if you still feel the same don't try to make big spontaneous decisions when it comes to love uh, don't, you know, I'm just gonna, you know, fly, fly across the country and meet this person because we've been flirting for a while. This is not a good season to do that. Are you looking at me because I've done that before? No. Oh, fuck you. Um, <laughs> and again, it's also not a good time to start a new relationship. And so. <laughs> why, <laughs> why did you say that like that? <laughs> so, while I've put a damper on all your love and happiness for like the next three weeks. Ain't no love and happiness. I have started a sad bitch playlist that we can listen to. From October 5th to <laughs> November 16th. Yes. While Venus is retrograding in Scorpio. Until it like moves his ass up out of there. Um, so I will post I was thinking like I was gonna post this playlist for patrons. Um because yeah. I'm you know, I'm like, yeah, I make pe- playlists. A Patreon I, exclusive. Pretty much. So, um, yes, I have a sad bitch playlist, and I'll just give y'all a little teaser. It is featuring, there's this artist that I've really been stuck on lately. I think their name is Texas. It's T-X-S. And she has, like, this project called Everything is Bigger, and it just has some sad bitch bops on there. So <laughs> Not a sad bitch bop. Yes. One of them that is perfect for this Venus in retrograde is, um, it's called Do Good. And it's just all about wishing good for your ex since what you did wasn't good enough for them. So, 
It's a real good, sad bitch bop. Okay. And it puts you in the mood to not try to start no new shit or to backslide and try to reach out to an ex. So This is good. I know. An unconventional curved chronicle, but... Yeah, a curved chronicle nonetheless. Yes. And you... Uh, can I, no, yeah. I'm not going to say this on the show. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I see why you get in relationships with friends. Why is that? Um, Because you're sort of like shielded from these cosmic mishaps. Like, Am I? Yeah, you're like, mm, I'm just, you know, working on friendships. I'm just going to hang out with my friends <laughs> while Venus is retrograde. I don't, I don't do. You're making it sound far more nefarious and calculated than it actually is. Sure. Hmm. That's not how it goes. Yeah. I feel like I'm like ducking when I go outside because my Venus is in Scorpio and it's retrograde and it's just a mess. So look, ah! Is that a relationship? No, 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 no. Not until November 17th. <laughs> You're like, oh, November 15th. Can you call me again at 1159? <laughs> Just, I right now. I, I can't, I can't do this. For real. <laughs> oh, um, can I give a shout out to a podcast? Yeah. Okay, because... Okay, so before we end it, I just wanted to give a shout out to um, Galaxy Grills. It's an astrology podcast hosted by a woman of color. And I know y'all saw me on Twitter. I was like frantically searching for um, a podcast uh, hosted by a woman of color about astrology and all things like uh, magical witchy Mm -hmm. um, shit that, you know, because I'm like... Women of color do this shit. Right, right. And specifically, I'm like, black women do this shit. So, um, yeah, when I, when I was finding it, it was just all real white. And I was like, what the fuck? I know. So, I started listening to um, Galaxy Grills, G-R-I-L-L-Z, um, hosted by Astro by Lauren. And I've also been listening to um, Let There Be Lose, uh, which is hosted by Lose Warrior. So, oh. yeah, I found two women of color. Astrology Magical shit. Yeah. It's fantastic. So, shout out to them. Shout out to them. And thank you for being there. Yeah. You know? Truly. Similar to us, you know, when people are like, I just want to hear two black lesbians talk that shit, they find us. I just wanted to hear women of color talk that magic shit. And right. I found y'all. So thank you. Abracadabra, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, so we're going to wrap it up? I think that's the show. All right, so don't forget, y'all, October 20th, up here in Syracuse, if you can make that voyage or if you're already up here, I'm, I done told Nikita we the only podcasters in upstate New York. Prove us wrong. I would best say we would love to be proven <laughs> wrong on that front. Yeah, come um, kick it with us October 20th. It's a day-long extravaganza. Extravaganza. Yes, our live show is at 2 p.m., but like I said, you don't want to miss Sir Knight and you don't want to miss Diamond Styles. So, um, who Nikita refers, lovingly refers to as a living treasure. A national treasure. That's yes. exactly what Diamond so, is. Yeah, so come on through Syracuse on October 20th to the live show. Yeah. To the workshops. Um, if you can't join us physically, be in touch with us in the digital world. Yeah, we need to try to find a way to like live stream or something. What do you mean live stream? Like, be when on live. Cool? Oh. No. Like, be on live. You don't know what I mean. <laughs> I don't. Oh, my God. You are 40. <laughs> no, not even 40. I think a 74 is a is an accurate age for you. On Instagram, we can be <laughs> on live. I was like, I was like, live on what? <laughs> okay. I got it. I'm, I'm with it now. Yeah. 
use the hashtag queer WOC to give uh, submit a curve chronicle. I mean, yeah. I, I know I ain't the only one out here struggling, okay? Because statistics show. <laughs> what, what are you gonna say? I got some lonely bitches. <laughs> send us some curve chronicles. Send us some topics. And Nikita's gonna edit this show, so that means y'all probably will get half of what I said. <laughs> You keep talking shit. It's they're gonna be like, when did Queer Walk turn into a one woman show? You just finna be cut. <laughs> All right, y'all. Bye. We out.